Between the essential reads and the English essentials, I spend a lot of time writing scripts. Now, I could do this from home, but it's a lot nicer to get out of the house and work in a coffee shop or a cafe. I could use my phone data to check articles and research for my scripts, but that can get expensive fast. It's so much easier to use the Wi-Fi at my favourite coffee shops. Well, thanks to Surfshark VPN, I don't have to worry about public Wi-Fi networks stealing my data. I simply choose from one of their 3,200 plus servers in 100 countries and continue working without having to worry about anyone stealing my data. Use the link in the description or episode notes to get Surfshark VPN today for as little as $2.30 a month on a two-year plan. And work worry-free wherever you please. We've all gone to websites only to be presented with a pop-up asking if we'll accept the cookies. Well, did you know that by accepting those cookies, you're allowing that website to collect data on you? These websites will then sell your information to data brokers, who will then create a digital profile of you which can be used by banks, advertisers, and scammers against you. Well, thanks to Incogni, you no longer need to worry about your data being stolen and sold. Incogni is a tool that will remove your data from these companies for you. All you need to do is sign up, allow Incogni to work for you, and they will contact data brokers on your behalf and guarantee that your digital ID is removed from the internet. Use the link in the description and episode notes and get Incogni today for $6.49 per month on a year plan and protect your data and digital ID. Hello, and welcome to the Essential Reads podcast. I'm Isaac, and my goal is to bring to you a bunch of audiobooks from your favourite classic authors such as Orson Welles, Robert Louis Stevenson, John Steinbeck, and many more. Come join me on this journey to help get these books to the masses in an easy, accessible way. Let's start. The Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger Chapter 23 I made it very snappy on the phone, because I was afraid my parents would barge in right in the middle of it. They didn't, though. Mr. Antonelli was very nice. He said I could come right over if I wanted to. I think I probably woke he and his wife up, because it took them a hell of a long time to answer the phone. The first thing he asked me was if anything was wrong, and I said no. I said I flunked out a pensy, though. I thought I might as well tell him. He said, good, good, when I said that. He had a good sense of humor and all. He told me to come right over if I felt like it. He was about the best teacher I ever had, Mr. Antonelli. He was a pretty young guy, not much older than my brother DB, and you could kid around with him without losing your respect for him. He was the one that finally picked up that boy that jumped out the window I told you about, James Castle. Old Mr. Antonelli felt his pulse and all, and then he took off his coat and put it over James Castle and carried him all the way over to the infirmary. He didn't even give a damn if his coat got all bloody. When I got back to DB's room, old Phoebe turned on the radio. This dance music was coming out. She turned it on low, though, so the maid wouldn't hear it. You should have seen her. She was sitting smack in the middle of the bed, outside the covers with her legs folded like one of those yogi guys. She was listening to the music. She kills me. Come on, I said. You feel like dancing? I taught her how to dance and all when she was a tiny little kid. She's a very good dancer. I mean, I just taught her a few things. She learned it mostly by herself. You can't teach somebody. You can't teach somebody how to really dance. You have shoes on, she said. I'll take them off. 
Come on. She practically jumped off the bed. And then she waited while I took my shoes off. And then I danced with her for a while. She's really damn good. I don't like people that dance with little kids, because most of the time it looks terrible. I mean, if you're at a restaurant somewhere, and you see some old guy take his little kid out on the dance floor, usually they keep yanking the kid's dress up in the back by mistake. And the kid can't dance worth a damn anyway. And it looks terrible. But I don't do it out in public with Phoebe or anything. We just horse around in the house. It's different with her anyway, because she can dance. She can follow anything you do. I mean, if you hold her in close as hell so that it doesn't matter if your legs are much longer, she stays right with you. You can cross over or do some corny dips or even jitterbug a little. And she stays right with you. You can even tango, for God's sake. We danced about four numbers. In between numbers, she's funny as hell. She stays right in position. She won't even talk or anything. You both have to stay right in position and wait for the orchestra to start playing again. That kills me. You're not supposed to laugh or anything either. Anyway, we danced for about four numbers, and then I turned off the radio. Old Phoebe jumped back in bed and got under the covers. I'm improvising, aren't I? She asked me. And how? I said. I sat down next to her in bed again. I was sort of out of breath. I was smoking so damn much I had hardly any wind. She wasn't even out of breath. Feel my forehead, she said all of a sudden. Why? Feel it. Just feel it once. I felt it. I didn't feel anything, though. Does it feel very feverish? She said. No. Is it supposed to? Yes, I'm making it. Feel it again. I felt it again, and I didn't feel anything, but I said, I think it's starting to now. I didn't want her to get goddamn inferiority complex. She nodded. I can make it go up to over the thermometer. Thermometer? Who said so? Alice Holmberg showed me. You cross your legs and hold your breath and think of something very, very hot. A radiator or something. Then your whole forehead gets so hot you can burn somebody's hand. That killed me. I put my hand away from her forehead like I was in terrific danger. Thanks for telling me, I said. Oh, I wouldn't have burned your hand. I'd have stopped before it got to shh. Then, quick as hell, she sat way the hell up in bed. She scared the hell out of me when I did that. What's the matter? I said. The front door, she said in a loud whisper. It's them. I quick jumped up and ran over and turned off the light over on the desk. Then I jammed out my cigarette on my shoe and put it in my pocket. Then I fanned the hell out of the air to get the smoke out. I shouldn't even have been smoking, for God's sakes. Then I grabbed my shoes, got in the closet, and shut the door. Boy, my heart was beating like a bastard. I heard my mother come in the room. Phoebe, she said. Now stop that. I saw the light, young lady. Hello, I heard old Phoebe say. I couldn't sleep. Did you have a good time? Marvelous, my mother said, but you could tell she didn't mean it. She doesn't enjoy herself much when she goes out. Why are you awake, may I ask? Were you warm enough? I was warm enough. I just couldn't sleep. Phoebe, have you been smoking a cigarette in here? Tell me the truth, please, young lady.
What? Old Phoebe said. You heard me. I just lit one for a second. I took a puff and then threw it out the window. Why, may I ask? I couldn't sleep. I don't like that, Phoebe. I don't like that at all, my mother said. Do you want another blanket? No, thanks. Good night, old Phoebe said. She was trying to get rid of her, you could tell. How was the movie? My mother said. Excellent, except Alice's mother. She kept leaning over and asking her if she felt grippy during the whole entire movie. We took a taxi home. Let me feel your forehead. I didn't catch anything. She didn't have anything. It was just her mother. Well, go to sleep now. How was your dinner? Lousy, Phoebe said. You heard what your father said about using that word. What was lousy about it? You had a lovely lamb chop. I walked all over Lexington Avenue just to. The lamb chop was all right, but Charlene always breathes on me whenever she puts something down. She breathes all over the food and everything. She breathes on everything. Well, go to sleep. Give mother a kiss. Did you say your prayers? I said them in the bathroom. Good night. Good night. Go right to sleep now. I have a splitting headache. My mother said, "She gets headaches quite frequently. She really does." Take a few aspirins, old Phoebe said. Holden will be home Wednesday, won't he? So far as I know, get under there now, way down. I heard my mother go out and close the door. I waited a couple minutes, then I came out of the closet. I bumped smack into old Phoebe when I did it, because it was so dark. And、she was out of bed and coming to tell me, "I hurt you," I said. You had to whisper now because they were both home. I gotta get a move on, I said. I found the edge of the bed in the dark and sat down on it and started putting on my shoes. I was pretty nervous. I admit it. Don't go now, Phoebe whispered. Wait till they're asleep. No, now, now's the best time, I said. She'll be in the bathroom and Daddy will turn on the news or something. Now's the best time. I could hardly tie my shoelaces. I was so damn nervous. Not that they would have killed me or anything if they caught me home, but it would have been very unpleasant and all. Where the hell are you? I said to old Phoebe. It was so dark I couldn't see her. Here, she was standing right next to me. I didn't even see her. I got my damn bags at the station. I said, "Listen, you got any dough, Phoebe? I'm practically broke. It's just my Christmas dough for presents and all." I haven't done any shopping at all yet. Oh, I didn't want to take her Christmas dough. You want some? She said. I don't want to take your Christmas dough. I can lend you some. She said. Then I heard her over DB's desk, opening millions of drawers and feeling around with her hand. It was pitch black. It was so dark in the room. If you go away, you won't see me in the play. She said. Her voice sounded funny when she said it. Yes, I will. I won't go away before that. You think I want to miss the play? I said. What I'll do? I'll probably stay at Mr. Anne Lily's house until maybe Tuesday night. Then I'll come home. If I get a chance, I'll phone you. Here, old Phoebe said. She was trying to give me the dough, but she couldn't find my hand. Where? She put the dough in my hand. Hey, I don't need all of this. I said. Just give me two bucks is all. No kidding.
Here. I tried to give it back to her, but she wouldn't take it. You can take it all. You can pay me back. Bring it to the play. How much is this, for God's sake? Eighty dollars, eighty-five cents, sixty-five cents. I, I spent some. Then, all of a sudden, I started to cry. I couldn't help it. I did it so nobody could hear me, but I did it. I scared the hell out of old Phoebe when I started doing it, and she came over and tried to make me stop. But once you get started, you can't just stop on a goddamn dime. I was still sitting on the edge of the bed when I did it. She put her arm around my neck, and I put my arm around her too. But I couldn't stop for a long time. I thought I was going to choke to death or something. Boy, I scared the hell out of poor old Phoebe. The damn window was open and everything, and I could feel her shivering and all, because all she had on was her pajamas. I tried to make her get back into bed, but she wouldn't go. Finally, I stopped. But it certainly took me a long time. Then, I finished buttoning my coat and all, and I told her I'd keep in touch with her. She told me I could sleep with her if I wanted to, but I said no, that I'd better beat it, that Mr. Anna Lily was waiting for me. Then, I took my hunting hat out of my coat pocket and gave it to her. She likes those kind of crazy hats. She didn't want to take it, but I made her. I bet she sleeps with it on. She really likes those kinds of hats. Then, I told her again I'd give her a buzz if I got a chance. And then I left. It was a hell of a lot easier getting out of the house than it was getting in for some reason. For one thing, I don't give much of a damn anymore if they caught me. I really didn't. I figured, if they caught me, they caught me. I almost wished they did in a way. I walked all the way downstairs instead of taking the elevator. I went down the back stairs. Nearly broke my neck on about ten million garbage pails. But I got out all right. But the elevator boy didn't even see me. He probably still thinks I'm up in the Dicksteins. Thank you so very much for listening. If you enjoyed, please leave a review. And if you really want to support me, share this chapter with your friends, family, and whoever you feel would enjoy it. And if you really wish to support me, head to my Patreon. The link is in the episode notes. If you choose to follow the podcast, you'll have three new chapters per week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Once again, I thank you for listening. And until next time, bye-bye.